Welcome to Headlines. This is Ari Wasserman sitting in for David Lichtenstein. Today we have a very important, relevant, and common topic now that we are going back to school. The questions that we are going to be asking today and discussing when you send to school to the parents, does the student need to adhere to all of the school rules? Indeed, schools have a right to institute rules and ordinances and requirements. And if you're going to that school, do you need to listen to all of them? And if you don't, If you go to a school that requires a signature that you are adhering to the rules, are you allowed to sign? That is a blatant lie. However, to stay in the school, would that warrant lying in order to be able to sign that handbook and have your child in what may be the best choice school for that child and that family? So we're going to talk about all those questions and more. We're going to talk about why does the school need a handbook? Should the rules in the handbook be realistic? Should they reflect the clientele of the school or should they? Should they be the ideal but unrealistic hopes of the school for their clientele? Can you go to a school if you're not going to adhere to the rules like the school prohibits having internet, even when it has a filter or texting or smartphones, and you have, and you need to have, or maybe you don't need to have, but you have it anyway. Is it permitted to go to such a school, leaving aside the signature requirement? And in fact, we'll ask the question, what percentage of families violate school rules? I had an interesting conversation with the principal of a very prominent high school. And he told me, if you think about students, parents being in a school for four years, his estimate was that approximately 15% maybe adhere to the school rules over those four years. Are you allowed to go? Is that lying? And especially if there's a signature that makes it all the more of a serious issue. Now, in fact, this is a topic that I started thinking about 15 years ago, the first time that I was seeing that this was a real issue. I went to one of the Gedola Yisrael, one of the premier, if not the premier post scheme nowadays, and I asked him, what do you do? The school wants a signature and uh, it may not be possible to adhere to all the rules. For example, if somebody needs the internet in the home and has internet with the filter, but it's necessary for business purposes, but the school says, no, are you allowed to sign? And at that time, he told me, don't quote me on this, but indeed you can sign. However, I was not comfortable doing that. And I've asked various post scheme over the years and everyone has a difficult time with this issue. Some saying no way can you sign. That's an absolute lie. And others trying to find various rationales that would permit signing given a very difficult situation. In fact, in preparing for this uh, show, I spoke with a number of Gdolim and asked a number of them to come on the show. And uh, a number of them were not comfortable. One said, I don't want to take that hot potato on and various other responses. And I do want to thank those who did come on to the show to discuss a very challenging topic. We are going to hear today from Rabbi Yisrael and Mrs. Elisheva Kamenetsky, a fascinating conversation. Rabbi Kamenetsky is the Menahel of DRS. He's the Rosh Hashiva of the Halb schools. And Mrs. Elisheva Kamenetsky, his wife, is the Menahelis of SKA, the high school there. A fascinating conversation. Then we are going to get into the Peace Ke'alacha initially with Rabbi Moshe Mordechai Lowy, the renowned Posek, the Rav of Agudas Yisrael of Toronto, a very enjoyable conversation. We will then speak with Rabbi Chan 
Chaim Eisenstein. He's a popular lecturer. First time on the show. I very much enjoyed speaking with him. He's an author. He's the Ram at the Gruz Kolel. And then we will hear from the great Rosh Yeshiva, Poseg, prolific author, and the Rav of Moshe of Matisyahu, Rabbi Zev Lef. And then we will culminate the show hearing from a longtime friend, Rabbi Binyamin Klesler, who is the Menahel of the Yeshiva Katana of Queens. I do want to stress something very important. Everyone has good intentions when it comes to this issue. The schools want to have high standards, and they have a right to have high standards, and they lay down the rule, and uh, they should lay down the rule. They should dictate what is necessary to be in their school, and in fact, what comes to mind is Parsha Shoftim coming very soon upon us. Shoftim v'shotri titen and I'm looking in the org and I'm just taking a snippet from there, and they bring down, he brings down there that Shoftim is somebody who judges its Beseichel, that you have to act with Yishuv Hadas, and you have to act the proper way using your intellect, but sometimes you don't want to, and accordingly what Shotrim, Sha'af Kashe'enlo Yishuv Hadas, even when you don't have Yishuv Hadas, you don't want to act based on the Seichel, nonetheless, Sh'yich Sometimes you have to force yourself, and that's the concept of shoftim v'shotrim. We should guide ourselves as a shofet with seichel. Sometimes the seichel doesn't kick in. Accordingly, we have the shoter that has to kick in, and that is what's necessary in schools. They want to have high standards. They should have high standards, and people should live up to those standards, and they have to act with seichel, and sometimes there's not uh, going to be the seichel as to the people coming to the school, and maybe they have the seichel, but simply the lives they live, they simply don't align with the lofty ideals set by the school, and the school does have to lay down the rule and has to act as the shoter as well. So that's shoftim v'shotim on behalf of the schools. When it comes to the parents, indeed, parents want to find the best schools for their children, and definitely they should find the best schools for their children. But what that means sometimes, because there's never a perfect school, is adhering to the rules may be difficult or impossible in certain circumstances. Lifestyles may not 100% align with the lofty ideals set by the school. And that's why we have this rub that we're talking about today. We have the schools with the required standards, and we have the parents who do indeed want to adhere to standards, but it may be difficult or impossible in certain circumstances. It could be small issues, or it could be large issues. Some things that we can adhere to, and they're small issues, just adhere to them. Don't wear nail polish for the girls, or limitations on going on certain vacations. But certain things can be more difficult, not going away for the summers, or a parent who needs a smartphone for work, obviously filtered or a kosher smartphone, and it's prohibited by the school. Hasidish requirements, you have to shave your head. Maybe that is going to cause serious shalom bias issues, or no driving by women. I know a rav in this community that I live in, uh, he encountered this issue, and that was the one thing that he had a problem with in the school handbook that they were handed. His Indeed, his wife did drive, and what he he did in the end of the day was he struck out that clause in the Takanon in the school Hamburg, signed it and handed it back in. Baruch Hashem, they did not find it. So that's one way to deal with it, but some people aren't going to be just striking out one clause. They're going to be striking out a lot of clauses. So do one thing I do want to stress, and this is very important. This show is not to judge the rules of the schools. We've 
done that before when it comes to SNES. We're not judging the rules. The rules are what the rules are, and the schools have a right to make the rules. We are focused today on can parents knowingly violate those rules? They get the handbooks. They receive the handbooks. Can you go? Can you go to a school that you're not going to adhere 100% to the rules? And can you even sign when you're not going to be adhering to the rules? That's a very serious issue of lying. Is it permitted? Do we have any hector in this situation, indeed, to write down that signature, to sign that document? Is that at all permitted? Also, what we're going to discuss from the school's perspective, that was the parents' issues that we have to grapple with. How about the school issues if the school is requiring a signature? And indeed, they know that there are times, many times, that parents will not be adhering to the rules. It may be 10% are, are not going to adhere, or 15%, or it could be 30 or 40% are not going to adhere, 80%. Are they allowed to ask for a signature, or are they violating the Isra Dorais of Leif Naiva, or the Isra Dorabon and Messiaia? They are, in fact, accordingly, could be forcing people to sign and to lie, especially if there are no other options in schools. This is the only school available. Is there a serious leaf naiver issue that they are effectively causing people to lie in order to maintain their connection to send their kids to that school? So those are obviously very important questions. Now, we, I mentioned earlier that we have... Uh, great group of guests coming on to the show. We have administrators coming on to the show. We also have Rabunim and Poskim coming on to the show. What we don't have are parents coming and discussing the issues on the show, but I do have actually some submissions from parents, and I do want to read through a little bit of what was supplied by parents in advance. And it goes like this. Somebody said as follows, I'm going to read it, uh, parts of it at least, schools often have parents sign rules and regulations, but their enforcement is very selective. The question is, is if it makes sense to have parents sign a rule that they know is not going to be adhered to to make a point? Or is it counterproductive if you have no plans on enforcing? And it continues as follows. I would say that the world of technology is probably the most challenging for schools because of the speed at which it is evolving. And he goes on as follows. As soon as the Hanhala figures out the next trend in technology, technology is two trends ahead. So policing is near impossible, which begs the question whether they should even try. And this continues. The reality is that in some schools in where I live, I'm not going to mention it, if a parent decided to live within the confines of what they signed, it would be very challenging for the kid to socialize with their peers. How can they not be on the class chat? How can they not know the latest Instagram fad? And it continues quoting that there is a a fairly large yeshiva, fairly well-known yeshiva, that uh, they indeed require a signature when uh, people want to go to learn and that yeshiva, but it's been the same application packet for the past 10 years. And in fact, there are only three takanas. I'll uh, change the language here so no one is going to be able to identify the fairly large yeshiva. Number one is no texting. Number two, Bahri must stay in yeshiva for Shabbos. And number three, there are limitations on when they are permitted to start dating. So with regards to the first two items on the list, I would say that less than 10% of the Bahri adhere to them. That's less than 10%. That's not very much. Yet, if you don't sign it, they will not let you complete the application, but they do not attempt to police it. So that's input from one of the parents. I'll give just a little bit more input from another parent to the show. He says as follows, I believe the problem is compounded by the fact that very often the children are aware that their parents are signing something which they aren't able to keep. This is indeed terrible chinuch for the kids, for the students, and that is going to be a topic we'll discuss on this show as well. They are basically being taught that it is 
is okay to sign falsely if that's what you need to do. So we're sending our kids to schools for chinuch, but the chinuch is based on lying on dishonesty, because in order to get into that school, you have to be signing something that you know from the beginning that you're not going to be adhering to. And he goes on to say that his son's yeshiva has a policy that they're not permitted to get driving permits until the boy completes 11th grade. You have to complete 11th grade until you can, that's when you can get your driving permit, and then there are limitations when you can get your license. And that's the rule. That's the rule. I don't have a problem with what the rule he says. I don't have a problem with the school trying to enforce it, but I think a situation whereby it isn't working 100 percent can't be ignored. In other words, all of the kids, many of the kids are violating the rules. So you're having a rule and it's being violated. Another example of this he wrote is his daughter is in a high school in a certain uh, large neighborhood in the United States of America and a Jewish very from neighborhood. And he says, rules are no cell phones for the girls. And he says, what percent of the girls are adhering to that? I think more than 50% of his daughter's ninth grade class has a cell phone by 10th grade. North of 70% have a cell phone and various parents rationalize it. But the bottom line is the school knows about it. And they ask the parents to sign and the parents sign the school requires it, and they never think twice about it, and this is Sheker. So indeed, we're going to be talking, Amir Tashem, about all of these issues. I also do want to mention one other important thing when it comes to this signature. I think it's important, and this is also a message to parents before you sign, if you are required to sign, and to the schools especially, what is that signature requiring? If we are requiring parents to sign to that, adhere to all the rules, and we know they're not going to, then we have to analyze, is that a leaf naive problem, you are requiring them to sign. These are the rules, the statutes, the requirements, the regulations of the school. You will adhere to them and we know they're not going to. Is that a question or is that an issue as a prohibition of leaf naive or misayaya? But we can also simply say that I have read the rules. We don't have to have them commit to adhere to the rules, but simply say I have read the rules. So I want to just put that out there as a possible to so- solution. If there is a signature desired by the school, if that is something that they feel is important, I I think it's less important than they think it's important. Having rules is critical. The signatures, we have what to discuss. But at least if you're going to require the signature, maybe it should be limited to acknowledging receipt of the handbook or alternatively, simply acknowledging, I understand my responsibilities and the consequences you're in, but not that we are forcing a lie from the get-go in admission to the school, being admitted based on something that is not going to come to fruition. Before we go to our guests, we're simply going to hear the riddles of the week. This week, getting into the mode of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Yamim Noraim. The first question, we're actually going to have two riddles. The first one is about Tashlich. If you look in the Orach HaShulchan, in Hilchos Rosh Hashanah, it's Simon Tafkuf Pei Gimel, Sif Dalet. The Orach HaShulchan says something a little bit cryptic. He gives a couple reasons why there are people who actually don't do Tashlich, the men who do to Tashlich, but he says some people don't do it. One is because of concerns of co-mingling between men and women, but but then he says something a little bit, or very cryptic. He says, who There are people that avoid doing Tashlich because of the reason known to them, and it is proper. What is the Orach HaShulchan referring to here? What is the Orach HaShulchan referring to? The second reason why people do not do Tashlich. And the next question, the next riddle is as follows. There are certain years that we can go an entire year and not 
lane a certain parsha. So we can go the entire year laning parsha sashavua, and we don't lane one of the parshas the entire year. And there's certain years that there's a parsha that we may lane twice in the given year. Parsha sashavua. So there's some years that we may skip one totally. Other years we may lane a parsha twice. What parsha or parshias are they, and what's the reason for each of those? Those are the riddles of the week. If you want to leave a message by phone or dial in by phone to listen, in America our number is 732-806-8700. In England it's 44, like that's the country code, 33011-70250. In Eretz Yisrael it's 02-372-0304. And now, let's go to our guests. Joining us now is Rabbi Yisrael Kamenetsky, who is the Menahel of DRS High School and also the Rosh Yeshiva of the entire suite of Halb schools. And also joining us is his wife, Rebetzin Elisheva Kamenetsky, who is the Limude Kodesh principal of the girls' high school called SKA. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Just a pleasure to be here. So let's start with the basics. Schools and school handbooks, and you deal with this all the time. What's the purpose of having a school handbook? Is it, for example, to put people on notice that they have to adhere to rules? Or if you want to get rid of somebody from the school, you can point to the school handbook. So fundamentally, what's it about? And how do you go about writing it? Do you write a pie in the sky, the ideal life that we want people to live? Or do you look at uh, what's going on with with the uh, clientele that you have and adjust accordingly? So um, uh, we think the school handbook is an important document to have for a few reasons. Uh, One reason is that it gives... Uh, parents and students and teachers uh, an insight into what ideals the school holds as most important. Um, where is the school putting its its emphasis? Um, there are a lot of rules in the school handbook, and I will I will be honest in saying, and I, I'm not saying anything that anyone listening here doesn't already know. There are many people who do not read the school handbook. We understand that. We used to actually require everybody to sign it, and then we realized that it was a joke. People were just taking the one page and signing it, so we even stopped doing that, honestly. But at, at, but at the end of the day, as you mentioned. One of the good things about a, about a, a school handbook is that there's no um, ambiguity about what the rules are. Um, to me, that's the most important thing. It, it states clearly what our policies are, what the consequences are. We believe very, very strongly that you should not have policies that you don't enforce, and you should not have policies that you know you're uh, don't really believe in. And just to have them as pie in the sky, no, that that would be that would be very much against what we would we would think. We our handbooks, uh, I believe accurately reflect what actually goes on in the school, what our values are, what our system um, of consequences, if people don't abide by them uh, is. And we try to write it in a positive way. It's not like if you do this, we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to cut your head off. No, we don't, we don't believe in that. It, we we want to encourage people and explain why we believe in the things we believe in. If we have a dress code, you want to explain it. If we have a rule, we have a system of, you know, what happens when you come late to davening, we want people to know exactly what it is. And again, that doesn't mean that 
every system doesn't have some exceptions. There's always exceptions to every rule, but at least in principle, this is what the school believes in. This is what, and, and we, and every single year we revise the handbook. Every year we, we say, was this policy working? Was this policy not working? Is this policy what we really enforced? Is this policy that we didn't enforce? And if we see that it's not working or we didn't really enforce it, then we get rid of it and we have to adjust it. Right. So, Rebetzin, as the uh, Minahelis of the Limudei Kodesh of the Girls' School, can you give us some examples of changes that you've made over time that you said, you know, this isn't working and we need to reflect what is ultimately going to be beneficial for us and for for the uh, for the girls? And we, we need to make some revisions as times go along. Yeah, I mean, I, this is certainly a very, very uh, hot topic and is a central piece. I think it's probably the only piece if anybody looks at the handbook at a girls high school, what they look at, it's to the dress code. I remember a number of years ago, we made the slightest tweak to the dress code. Um, and it's actually in response to your question. I'll, I'll share the example in a minute. But, uh, you know, it, it was like it spread like wildfire. This was before texting, WhatsApp, social media, but everybody was buzzing uh, about the tweak because... Uh, you know, that, that is something that, uh, is, is people, people take notice of and, and people are, are curious and concerned about, um, just reflecting back for a minute on what my husband just spoke about. I, I think a, a handbook and, a, and policies really are a reflection of the values of the school. They take hours to write these handbooks. Um, and if they're done well, in my opinion, and if they're done right, because they're really like a din v'cheshben. Who are we? What do we believe? What are we, what are we, what are we looking to, to do for our students? What are we looking to provide? What is the atmosphere that we want to create in our school that these standards and structures that are in this handbook are going to help support? Um, so I, I remember very clearly in our particular school, and this is obviously our, our 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 own dress code is actually divided into two sections, which we mark very clearly in the handbook and also actually speak about every year to the students. There's an area of halacha. Um, for our dress code. And there's an area of dress code. That's how this is going, how we're going to be contributing to our uh, our atmosphere. And for our post-sake, we, we consulted with him about socks for girls. And the original dress code had said that girls need to wear socks, but there was no length that was that was uh, designated. And it was quite a few years ago, but uh, we moved from what I guess we used to call bobby socks or uh, ankle socks to low cut socks. And we had gotten to a place where there was not just low cut socks, but low, low cut socks. And we did not want to be in a situation where we were examining people's shoes and the height of their sneaker to see if the sock was peeking out or not. And we realized that it was just becoming ridiculous. Um, um, both in terms of the environment that we wanted to create and the styles had changed in a way. And of course, we consulted with our post as well. Um, and we we tweaked the dress code because we saw that that particular guideline was not really speaking anymore. It wasn't accomplishing its goal. So they were wearing a sock, but you couldn't see it. What was the what was the value? Obviously, we could have gone in either direction of, you know, no, you don't have to wear socks or you need to wear a sock that peeks out above your shoe. And that's a decision that I think every school has to make for themselves in terms of, you know, reevaluating and looking at what is going on on the ground and how it's manifesting itself in the uh, in the uh, in the in the real. Right. That's an excellent example. Rabbi Kamenetsky, would you say that more detail is better or should you keep it on a higher conceptual level, more of a general level? And I, I, re- I recently saw a, uh, a handbook from a school and it was it was uh, like two pages, two pages. And instead of, you know, all this detail about where this and where that or do this, it had pictures. 
more like cartoons of this is what you want. We want you to look like and a cartoon of a person, a student. We don't want you to look like this. And it gave like a feeling of, okay, I get it, but it's missing the detail there. So what do you think is most helpful? It's it's a great question. And, um, you know, like most great questions, it, it doesn't really have a simple answer because, you know, it's almost like six of one and half a dozen the other. On the one hand, I totally agree with you that the simpler Our handbook, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say in public how many pages long our handbook is. Um, I I think it's probably way too long, um, our handbook, because the longer it is, just for a very simple reason, the longer it is, the less anyone's going to actually read it. People don't have patience. I think they did studies about what the average, you know, the average goldfish, I think, has more patience than a a child nowadays. I think the average patience is now around nine seconds. You can focus on something or eight seconds. And parents aren't much better than that. Exactly, exactly. Um, so so on the one end, I hear what you're saying that simpler is better. And 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 in my guts, I believe it's better. But but I think that the reason why our handbook is, is actually as long as it is, even though we understand that people aren't aren't gonna read it, is because we we do have a lot of areas in school that we think it's important to state our policies about. And um we, we have a lot of policies and we, we and education is very um rigorous and thorough and complex and 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 has a lot of aspects to it. Um, and, and, and the schools that we run have many, many, many details and aspects and clubs and rules and student council. And I just, it goes on and on and on. And we, 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 we believe that, that as long as the clearer we are with our school community about what our expectations are around all these various issues, the better off we will be. And uh, even though some kids will learn about them, not from reading the handbook, but they'll learn about them from violating the handbook. But uh, but uh, but we do believe that uh, I, I personally, I think that that more detail within reason and within limits, because I am very wary of the issue that you're raising, that the longer it is, the less people will read. But we view our handbook as something a little bit more, um, you know, sort of the ideal of, of of telling you the details. So that if, and there are some kids, by the way, who do read them. There are some parents and some kids who read every word. So there's a certain type of kid who reads every word of the handbook, especially the ninth graders on the way in. They really want to know, like, how do I do this? And how do I get onto the student council? And what are, what are the rules of who can get on a team? And, and what extra learning could I I do and what a credit do I get? So a lot of the kids who are new to the school, they're excited. They want to know everything. So there are some people who read it. So we're usually more machmir on the side of writing more as opposed to writing less, although I am very sensitive to the issue you're raising. Right. I, I will say that there's one danger in the details that um, you know we have found, and that is that when you detail, so the nature of people is to say, oh, so not that, but then yes, this. Meaning, you know, I, just to give an example, if you were to say no iPhones, okay, I have a Samsung, you know, and uh, and and there's something. It's not just that it becomes you know belabored, but but you also you want to be imparting, as you said before, that I, I'd actually be really curious to see that handbook. You, you, you the goal is to be imparting the value, not necessarily. The the detail. But as my husband said, I, I was going to say any good question, the answer is usually stay at studs and you need both. You need both a little bit. You need the the global and you need the, uh, the uh, you know, the some of the pratim so that people can understand what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here smiling as you were saying that because I, I once saw uh, somebody going through a, a, a girl's uh, handbook, school handbook, and it said that the skirt has to be 15. Uh, and our, our show is not about sneers. We've covered sneers many times. It's not about sneers, but this is just an example that the skirt has to be 15 centimeters below the knee and it has to be this and it has to be that. And she says, oh, good. They didn't say I can't wear pants. 
Now, uh, she, she doesn't wear pants at all, doesn't own a pair of pants, never has, but that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in styles and things, sometimes that's hard because you point to a, a particular style and what you're really saying is a, is a bigger value, for sure. And now, now uh, another possible issue with the length and the detail of the handbook is, are people adhering to the details or not? And, and just to to hash that out a little bit, I was on the phone with a, a menahel of, of a well-known high school, a boys' high school, and uh, yeshiva. And he was, uh, I was, it was about a different issue. And I said, I'm a, hosting a show on, uh, on on school handbooks, and I'd like to get your take on uh, do people adhere to the rules. And he said, if I look at my handbook over the four years of when the students are here, I would estimate that maybe. 15% adhere to every rule because you can't go out at night, you can't do this, you can't do that. So I guess that's a little bit of a downside of having all this detail is people, it makes it more difficult to people to adhere to all the all the pratim of, of the uh, of the school rules. So if you would look at your student body, and maybe this is going to get you in trouble with your student body if I ask this question, but nonetheless, if you would think about all the details on a high level, do you think people are adhering over the number of years, four years in high school and longer in elementary school to the requirements there, or certainly they're going to be infractions just by nature of uh, people and having different uh, lifestyles and the like. So it depends what, what kind of rules you're talking about. The, the, the most fundamental and, and uh, you know, the real um, non-negotiable kind of rules. So I think the 95% of our school community does adhere to them. You know, you know, if you come late to davening, you know, you violated what, 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 what percent? Yeah. So it, it, that's not, that's not so much violating the handbook. The handbook just says, if you come late to diving, this is what happens to you. So you're keeping the handbook because you get, you're getting the consequence. So we, we, I think that we're pretty good at, uh, at, um, that the handbook really means something and, and the rules that are stated herein, we think about a lot and we, do enforce them. We do change them often. You know, what happens if a student, and again, you know, if a student is out more than X amount of times per semester, you know, does he get credit for the course? How many times that's one of the issues we're struggling with today? Um, you know, how many times can a kid be absent and still get credit for, for the course? Um, something like that. So I think that that the overwhelming majority, and again, as Elisheva pointed out in the introduction, I think before we were recording, um, that uh, we try not to have rules that we don't enforce. So so if, if you're not, if, if 85% of the kids are not not keeping the handbook, then uh, then we, we haven't. We're not keeping to the rule of you know enforcing that which we say we're going to enforce. So so I think with us, you know, not, again, what percentage of the kids come late to davening? Um, you know, probably uh, 25, 30 percent at some point who are going to come late, maybe more. I thought we were going to say every day. <laughs> No, 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 not not every day. No, oh, if right. you come late to diving every day, oh, listen, then as you pointed out, people people are nichshal here and there. That's always, you know, that's not everyone. No one's perfect. We're not malachim, and we don't can't expect that. I think that's also important. There are very few things, except for things that are, uh, you know, about safety and uh, you know harming others emotionally or physically in any way. Um, you know, that are you know one and you're out. There's space within the handbook and within the consequences for people to to err. I also think, you know, going back to your question of have we tweaked things, another good example that speaks to to what you're saying now as well is, um, you know, our attendance policies. You know, we used to have a policies of excused, unexcused. And an excused means, I remember, not in my current school, um, but in a previous place where I taught, I remember as a teacher taking notes from students, five, five students all had the same note excusing their absence from the same doctor. And I thought it was curious that everybody had, you know, the same doctor. And I, when I mentioned to, to another colleague, she says, oh, he's a psychiatrist and the uncle of a girl in the class.
class, meaning they had just gotten a doctor's note from the, they weren't patients of his. They had just gotten a doctor's note because that's how you get an excused absence. But sometimes you have to be aware of the fact that your rules are, are easy to skirt. And as my husband said, you know, not easy to enforce necessarily. So we've reverted now to something that we call a residency requirement, meaning we don't really care why you're absent, <laughs> excused, unexcused. But to be as a student in our school, and receive credit for the course, you have to be present. So here's X number of times. Do with them as you please. You want to go out with your mother for coffee? It doesn't really matter to me. But you know, I'm I'm not going to get into those details. You know, when you when you try to think creatively about how can we, to me, that that does two things. A, it speaks our value, <laughs> residency requirement. If you're not here, you can't be considered to be a full student. And and B, it also just removes some of the shenanigans and 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 you know loopholes and workarounds that that people can create. You know, I know cell phones is a big topic. If schools collect cell phones, you know, everyone's like, okay, kids are gonna hand in a mock cell phone. I mean, at, at some point, you know, we 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 have to say, well, but this is the value that we're communicating. Cell phones don't belong in school. You have Bahira, and if you're gonna, if you and as parents, you're gonna educate your children to skirt rules, um, you know, that that's your Bechira. Um, but but we're, we're going to stand by the values that we have as they're stated in our handbook. That's a very good point. I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned before in passing, but it's actually an absolutely critical issue. And that you mentioned that originally you had signatures on the handbook, and then you did away with that. So I'd like to know, did you see benefits? Why did you have signatures? And do you have any change once you don't have signatures, and do you miss it? Is there any downside by taking away the signature requirement? So there are two schools of thought on on having people uh, sign handbooks. Um, on the one hand, you want to make sure that no one can claim I didn't know about it. So you're going to want somebody to sign a piece of paper that says I read the whole handbook, whether they actually did read it or didn't read it. At the end of the day, schools some schools require students and parents to sign the handbook because. That is an indication, at least formally, that they accept everything in the handbook and that, that they're, that they're even if they didn't read it, but at the end of the day, that they're accepting everything. Um, other schools, and I'll tell you that for many, many years, that was our school. Our school was like that uh, for many, many years. Very recently, we changed because uh, we didn't want people signing something that they we knew that they really didn't sign. That, they, that, that we didn't want schools, we didn't want students and parents signing something that they uh, that, that we know they didn't really read. They're signing that we, we we read the handbook and we agreed to buy by everything, but we didn't think many people were reading it. So why make somebody sign something that they're not really reading, even though you still have the positive that they're committing to it? But we felt that, listen, the handbook is the handbook. So when you're coming to the school by itself, you're committing to the handbook. That's just registering your student by itself. You don't have, you have to make somebody sign. The handbook is the handbook. That's what the school is all about. So we moved away from that. And uh, we actually, instead, what we do is we take the... Uh, the 10 most salient points um, from the handbook. And we do make the, the students uh, sign. We don't make the parents sign, but we make the students sign just on those 10 points because we want to highlight those. These are points of emphasis that they should think about this year. And um, by the fact that they signed it, as you pointed out, the fact that they sign it, this um, gives them a little added impetus to try to keep to it because something that a person signs his own name to is something that they'd be much more are likely to keep to. So the things that we want to, points of emphasis for this year, the 10, 10 commandments, the Aceros and Dibros, you will, the, the, the 10 commandments of, of the most important things we want you to focus on, they're all important, but some are more important. And, and those, we do require the kids to, uh, to sign. It's sort of like a compromise position. We don't make them sign on the whole thing because we know they're not really reading it. So we ask them just to sign on the 10 most, most salient points. 
Uh-huh. Not not and, and they're not committing to do X, Y, and Z because right. maybe they're not going to do it, but they're they're committing to understanding the consequences. I, I hereby acknowledge that the consequences are X, Y, and Z if I do this infraction. Exactly. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. That makes sense. Well, any any last comments that you have for, for Art Siebler? You know, I I think that this is always like a, that you started off with that question of the ideal and the real. You know, I I think that uh, you know the goal of chinuch is always to you know help help raise people up. Uh, you know, and and sometimes that's the children, and sometimes it's v'heshev uh, levavos salbanim levanam alavosam. You know, it's uh, it's it's families by showing them a standard of of living and of conduct for sure. Um, but I I do think there is a ba'asher husham piece to it as well. That you know that you have to there there needs to be a synergy between parents and and the school and the handbook. And I I actually think that that's actually one of the values of the handbook. That you know, incoming we we send our handbook out this time of year you know, in, uh, in August, but um, it's also something which we, we share and show to prospective parents. It's a way of saying, this is who we are and, and we welcome you. And, you know, we, we're, we're happy for you to be here. If you, if you buy into this, if this is, if this is something that aligns with, with the way you want your child to be spending their day and that kind of environment. Um, I, you know, and I'll, I'll just point out one other thing that is, you know, true in our school, but I know different communities and different schools have different attitudes. Our, our handbook, Again, with the exception of safety issues and, um, you know, impinging on other people's safety really, really covers everything that goes on in our buildings during school time and during school programs. Um, and I think that's also something to think about, you know, what, what is the nature of your community? And as my husband referred to before, how are you going to be able to uphold and enforce your, your standards that you're putting here outside of school time and outside of the school, you know, uh, programs and, and to, to be clear about that. We're very clear with our students. We happen to live in the community um, that we, that we work in and where our schools are. And we're very clear with our students that these are, these are standards and structures to uphold the learning and atmosphere of of school, but that if somebody were to be to go back to dress, dress differently or or functioning differently outside of school, we would want them to say hello to us. We would want them to, you know, greet us if we saw them in the community. That that these are not judgments on homes or people, but they are standards for looking to accomplish what we want to accomplish in our school. Along the same lines, I would just add what, what we, we we mentioned briefly throughout the last 25 minutes is um, you know, I I also think it's important that a handbook be written as much as possible in a positive way, as opposed to in a negative way, because the handbook should highlight the values and ideals of the school, of the yeshiva, and should explain that that the goal of all of it, you know, because unfortunately, a lot of times when you have a lot of rules, so kids view the rules as like just trying to catch them, or they or it's very restrictive, and they, they don't understand the philosophy and the thought behind the rules. They just think it's oh, they, all they care about is my skirt length or whatever. That's so. So we try to write the things in a positive way that, that the rules reflect positive values and, and that it's, it's in the student's best interest religiously, socially, and, you know, and, and, and to be successful in life, um, to, to take coming on time seriously, to take the way they present themselves seriously as B'nai and B'nai's Torah and, 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 and um, to, to write it in, in a positive way so, so that the whole experience of the handbook experience uh, is in fact uh, framed as a positive one. Yeah, so the, the adhering to the rules will actually impact them in a positive way over the, the, their, the years that they're in the school. And hopefully they'll come out with much stronger values by adhering than uh, weaker values by uh, poking fun at the rules that uh, ultimately sometimes don't make sense. Right. That's right, Hashem. 
Rabbi and Rebbe Zinkamenetsky, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it was really uh, a very uh, illuminating discussion. Really, I learned a lot personally, so thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Continue that slacha, Rabbi. Joining us now is Rabbi Moshe Mordechai Lowy. Rabbi Lowy is the Rav of Agudas Yisrael of Toronto. He is a well-known posek. He has published halachic works and articles. And I have to mention, I was recently at the Kosal and somebody approached me and told me that he loves hearing Rabbi Lowy on the podcast. So I am delighted to have Rabbi Lowy. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's my covet. So, Rabbi Lowy, we are talking about a very timely issue, people going back to school right now, and the specific topic is school rules and regulations. And it's really twofold or manyfold. One is, can you attend a school if you're not going to adhere to all the rules and regulations? Schools have a right to have rules and regulations requirements. And if you're not going to adhere 100%, is there a halachic problem? And, and in addition, some schools require confirmation signature that you are going to adhere to all the rules. So Amir Tashem will get to that as well. So the most basic question, attending a school, it has rules, but you don't do everything. You do most of it, apparently. Is there maybe a Ganevistash issue or any other Sheker issue? Or is that just life that there are rules and regulations and you try to do some, most, but uh, there's no Isser if you don't adhere to all the requirements of the school? Uh, really, there's uh, two two Shilas here. There's Yeridei Shaila and a Chosh Mishmet Shaila. The Chosh Mishmet Shaila is... If you come to my business, I could make rules and how you could get my services. And if I only offer the services with these conditions, I'm telling, and, and that's a condition that so you're paying for my services, but I'm, the conditions of the services are only within these rules. And if you don't read the rules, that means you're not complying with the Chosh Mishpat. So when you're, so the question when you sign, when you sign the document, you're also signing, it's not only signing a rule in a school, it's signing a business document. That means you're coming to my school and you're signing and you're agreeing that this is the conditions of my services. And if you don't, if you don't adhere to the conditions, so there's first a Shaila in Gnevis Das and Shaila in, in, I surely could tell you, you know, if you don't, if you come to my, my business and you don't, adhere to my rules, and I have a right to make rules in my business. So that's a Chosh Mishmah child. But here, really, you know, Torah is not a business. Even though Torah is Chayra, but there's also the Ruchnis, the Yeridea part, the Chiv of teaching Torah, and the Chiv of making sure that every boy and girl are te- learn Torah and are in a Torah institution. So, so there would be, also be a big difference if it's a communal school or it's a private school. You know, if it's a communal school where you're we're providing Torah for the community, we have to make sure the community all could learn Torah. And you can't make rules which will stop people from learning. And, and so, and but if it's a private school and there's other schools there, I have a right to my school. This is what I want to do. You don't want, you don't like my rules, go to a different school. You don't have to come to my school. So let's say most schools nowadays are not communal schools like here. And, and except if you live in a, a Moshav and a Yishu, in a small, but in the big cities, most uh, schools are not communal schools. And But there are communal schools also in big cities. And, and like in every big city, there are some communal schools. But most schools are private institutions, or even if it's an institution that's run by people, but it's not 
a communal. It means there's other choices and you can go to other places. So let's go first with the Chashmish child and the Yerdei child. First, the, I mean, if the rules are rules, there are different types of rule regulations. There are rules and regulations that have to do with the working of the school, not the ruchnis of the school. You know, that you, 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 sh- you have to pay your tuition. You know, you have, you have a right to kick you out if you don't pay the tuition. So that's the, you know, and if someone doesn't follow the rules in school, you know, I say you can't come with a car to school or, I, or someone, there's uh, rules that how a person, you know, it's different to high school, a young child, the different rules that we have in school, no smoking in school, someone comes smoking, no, no vaping in school, and, you know, and, 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 and cigarettes. And so, so, like, uh, I have rules that I want people to adhere when they come to my institution. So, there, I have a right to demand of you, which has nothing to do with the Rukhmias, to demand of you, this is the rules of my school. And if you can't follow the rules, don't come to my school. If you come to my school, you, you have obligated, using my services, and especially if there's a contract and an agreement that you will follow the rules. So, and then there's also the Yerdei Shailah, you know, they make rules for the ruchnis of the school. You know, they feel we don't want anyone in the school to have smartphones. We don't want anyone to come in school with with phones, any cell phones. You have a right to come to the school and not listen to that rule. And the reason that the rule is made because of the ruchnis. You know, we don't want school. Like the old times, you know, that you can have school, you can't have any television. The answer to, to the question is, if I come to school and the first, uh, you know, the, the, there's Indian of Sheker. A person should be anti-emes, a person should not say sheker. Like in Brisk, when they were mechanach, the children, the only time a child would get a patch if they say sheker. You know, if you say sheker, you say a lie. Like Morris says even, you know, when the Morris speaks about by uh, a lulav, you have to be magnet to a child, uh, just lie. The Morris says, how could you lie? So there's two things. There's, first of all, saying sheker. And also, if your children know that you're signing sheker, the chinuch that they get from that. Chinuch, they, they get, and they stays forever. You know, we worry so much about the chinuch of our children. The chinuch of, of, of teaching our children to be anche-emes. So just imagine, you know, it's just like, you know, the, the, they always say, when a, t- a parent tells a son, why aren't you davening? So the son looks up, look, daddy's talking, tati's talking, abba's talking, what does he want from me? You know, like, you know, uh, you know why are you lying? Well, I'm lying. You're lying just, just as much as me. You know, like you, 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 you know, so the chinuch that children get, if they see you live a, a, a life of sheker, and, and, and you sign, so first of all, the very of saying sheker, and second of all, the chinuch of sheker, and then the chosh mishpat shayla, and the erdeya shayla. So, so, so is that, is that, if there's a signature, how about in the absence of a signature? Meaning, meaning the rules are posted in the school. They have rules and regulations. Maybe they post it on the internet. They ask for no signature. Is there still a Choshemishpat problem and a Yeridea problem? There's still a Shiloh because, because for, you know, because I'm coming, I'm using your services and these are the rules of your services. And so, and, and that means it's just like if I go rent a boat you know, you go on, 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 on vacation and, and rowboat and give you rules on the rowboat, what you should do on the motorboat. And you don't follow the rules, you know, they, they you know, if something happens, you're responsible and uh, and they could stop the, the engagement. If they see like they see you're not following the rules, you know, they have rules, no drinking on the boat and you drink on the boat. 
So, you know, they come and they could tell you, uh, sorry, we're not renting the boat out to you anymore. And so there is a shout. Only question over here is, if let's say if it's a, a communal school and they make rules that you can't keep. And if, and if you are going to keep it, it's, you know, if you, if you, you won't be able to send your child to school. So the so in, so in a place where the rules are are causing me not to be able to send my son to a yeshiva or to or let's say I need I need the services of internet and I can't live without internet. My business is internet over here in America. Most schools have a provision that if you're using it for business purposes, you now most schools you know have a, that there's no that they could, you could get a provision that you don't you could have internet. With with you know with tag, but let's say they, a school that's strict, no no tolerance, and you know you want your child to go to shiva. So the question over here is: Am I allowed to go do something in order so my son should learn Torah? My daughter should be in a good school, and it's a little shaker. Am I allowed to? It, it, what does the mitzvah of teaching Torah, the mitzvah of keeping my daughter in a good environment, in a good Torah environment, in a, in a good place? Is that uh, way uh, over the aver of saying checker, over the aver of not keeping my business and transaction properly, my my, my business achrayis properly. So that's where the, the question. That's why some people are more her and they feel that they're that you know they you know I want to send my, my child here and and does uh, the does the school have a right not to take my my child just because I'm doing this? I'll, I'll try to make sure that my child doesn't uh, use my, my internet. I'll try to make sure my child doesn't use my smartphone. Uh, and I'm going to try to make sure that I want my child to have a good chanach. So that's where people, you know, on my reheter, they feel that the, the mitzvah of my son learning a good yeshiva, my daughter going to school, it weighs over the, the aver of not keeping the rules. And then some people, heter, that's, that every school knows that not everyone doesn't keep all the rules. Now, people know that you don't keep all the rules. So, and and they know that that there are that, that you know the first the the management of the school, the Russia of the school, the the the, the of the school knows that everyone doesn't keep. It. So, since they know, so it's not really a gnevis das, but they know not everyone keeps the rules. So, the main rule, I guess, a person for himself should try to be famous. A third person, and the best thing with the rule would be with. Uh, with provisions, you know, that they sh- shouldn't make people lie. Shouldn't, you know, you know, you know, I need a business, you know, let me speak to the Anhola, you know, I- I'll make sure I keep it like somebody said to keep it in the bedroom, keep it locked up, the children never see it, people don't know it, they only keep it in the business, they don't keep it at home, uh, things uh, or uh, like that. And, uh, but, but if someone doesn't keep the rules, does the school have a right to kick out the child? So that's a child, if, you know, it depends and if there, it has to be uniform, it has to be Kent, you know, for one person you will kick out, one person you don't kick out, you know, that, you know, if you have money, you're not kicked out. If you have money, you could have internet. If you don't have money, you can't have internet. So if the, the school doesn't have a strict, real rule, then you have no right to kick out somebody just because they have no money and just because they're, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not prestigious, you know, and, and they're not from the Khashra people. They could do whatever they want. So that's wrong. That means the school's policy is not really, means the rules aren't real rules. A rule that uh, that you make a difference who you are is not a strong rule. But if there's a strong rule, and because the the, the of the school and, and everything, the so person should try to adhere. And if not, the school should give provisions that a person shouldn't be scared to say what they really are doing 
and, and, and live with that. Right. So let me just recap. It sounds fairly similar to analysis of Dina the Malchus Adina. One of the as far as Adina the Malchus Adina is that the Malchus can decide. This is the, the Shita of, of the Ramban, the Ran. I own the land and anyone who's going to come in is going to have to adhere to my requirements. Similar to when you're, you own a property, you own a business. And if, if you're in Toronto, an example would be you take off your shoes when you come in, right? Rabbi Lowy, people take off their shoes when they come into the houses. That's a, a similar to Dina Malchus Adina. So if we're talking about a non-communal school or it's it's a, not a public, like in, in Israel, you may have the, the public schools and they're the Beis Yaakovs, um, they would be able to dictate the requirements. But having said that, uh, when it comes to to having requirements that people may not be able to adhere to. There are some post poor lenient based on two svaras. Number one, they balance uh, the rules. How significant is the rule versus not having my child in this school? And there are some post that are makeable based on that. And the concept of everyone knows that not everyone's a- adhering to each and every rule. And based on that, we're not going to have a Ganevis Das. I'm not being Ganev their Das if they know that not everyone is hearing to these rules. So based on that, what if there's a signature? I, I have spoken to, to various people um, throughout the years or throughout the decades on, on these issues, not knowing how to handle the schools with requirements and uh, pre- in preparation for, for this show as well. And and there were some Rabbanim that said that even when it comes to a signature, um, they thought that you could sign as well if it, based on this analysis. How would the Rav Paskin, if somebody said, um, I have to sign, I have to sign the, uh, in Israel, we'd say the takanon, the, the school rules, but it requires me to, my wife not to drive or X, Y, Z, whatever the requirement is. And I can't do that. I can't have internet, but I need a parnasa. I need to be able to have uh, a way to speak over Zoom and see the grandparents in, in the United States or something like that. How, how would we poskin in that? It's a more serious shaila when it comes to a signature. Yeah, signature is more serious because you're signing something. But if the same thing, the same uh, rule we said before, since if the school doesn't is not, doesn't enforce the rules, that they know there are people who are not keeping the rule, means even my signature doesn't mean if, the, if my signature does not mean it's hundred percent sure. It's you know it's a, it's a, you do a, when the Shag's Arya you know became rav, they made a real strict sabra bonus with him, and you know with all kind of rules and everything. Then he said, I think we should put our seres dibris in it. We should put the Aseris Adibris in the, in the Ksavra Banas. They looked at him, well, and said, do you keep the Aseris Adibris as much as you want me to keep the Ksavra Banas? You know, like, if, if Ksavra Banas is so strict to you, it, it, it should, the Aseris Adibris should be so strict. So, me, so he was trying to tell them that, you know, you know that you, 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 have, rule, you, you have conditions, but, you know, every condition has a, has a, a chutz. Every condition has sometimes... You know, it, it means if you're going to go and, you know, the rub came two minutes late, the rub, the, you know, like uh, every condition that you make, uh, you know, uh, if you're going to go and demand it, first demand the service of difference and then demand. So, I mean, same, so same, even if you sign, if it's known that the school does not enforce it and then school knows that, that every signature is not really 100% true. So it's not such a big, I mean, it makes it a very big, as Becquerel, you know, Shekhar, I mean, a person should try not to say shek, and a person should, but uh, but if if that's the only way you could get to school and, and assigning it, and the school is not so strict about, uh, so then it's not uh, you know you're not there's no gnevis das and, and the signature is not a real signature. It's just like uh, the Chum Soifer wrote a uh, beautiful Chum Soifer. He writes someone wrote to him hagon haamiti. So he said, well, if I'm a goan, you'd have to write haamiti. 
So just like the gun is not right, Amiti is not right. You know, like you know, you know, if I, he writes the, 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 the if the word hagon is 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 not is it doesn't really mean gun, so Amiti does make it better because if you're if you're falsifying the gun, you can also falsify the Amiti. So right. the, so, the, so the same thing here. If people know that when you're signing, you know the signature, they know that not everyone adheres. But you know, so that's uh, the cooler. But really. I mean, if you want the schools to run properly, I mean, most people mean it l'shem shemayin. Most schools, when the rules are made l'shem shemayin, they're not made it's just to to haunt people, or they're not made to abuse people. Most rules are made, you know, especially if there are bonum involved, you know, and the purpose of the rule, you know, like you know, like I send a bracha in yeshiva, and I don't smoke, and all of a sudden you start smoking, you know, you know, like he comes home, you know. I sent them, you know, and, and, and there was once uh, even a court case where this, uh, a, a boy did something wrong in school. So the parents took the school to to court and sued them. I sent a good boy to you. I know what you did to him. When I sent him to school, he he didn't do these things. <laughs> you were the one who ruined him. So so school has rules, and so you know there's also obligation to other parents. You know the same thing. You know I I I don't have. But that's most time we have problems. Look, I in my home, I is a kedusha to go home, it's a hard to go home. There's no television, there's no internet, there's no, and and I don't want my children to to get influence from others. All of a sudden, my child goes to school. Everyone else has a smartphone in the pocket. You're the only one who doesn't who, who doesn't let me wear. Everyone else has a smartphone. So it's it's so it's a Christ to others. Also, not only to yourself. It's a Christ to but you you're bringing down other people. You know by by what you're doing. By, you know, so you really have to make a cheshmer besides the achrayas of, 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 of the cheshmer, the achrayas of other people. Other people, that's what they want. And you're going to their school, and that's what they want. They want a kedusha, the environment, environment where no one does these things. And you are bringing it down, so you, you have a big responsibility. It's, you, you, you're causing others to go down. So a person should really, you have to really consider that. So that's why some people, what they do is, even if they do have internet, they'll do it and no one should know they have it. Right. Even if they have it, some people have two phones. They have a flip phone, a kosher phone, and a, a non-kosher phone. Why? means they have to use the other phone. They need it, like you said, sometimes we... But they don't They don't want to be labeled as smartphone people. They want to be labeled as kosher phone. So outside, they always use a kosher phone. And they, uh, like, now they, even you know, when they had the whole big thing now in, in America, in the Kaddish for women, they said the, the same thing. They said, you need, you should have a tablet. Instead of having a smartphone, have a tablet. It means your phone is a kosher phone. If you have to use, you know, the, the, you have to use it for technology, for purpose. So if you have a tablet, something else, you have a tablet in your room, and you go, but you are not a, tab- a smartphone person. You're not uh-huh. that sort. So here, the, 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 the Means we, we try to keep rules because we want to keep cholesterol going. You know, it's uh, right. And, want, and uh, so it's a big achrayas. So mm-hmm. first of all, a person should never try to say sheker. And so you know, and so like the question is: Is the school over forever? The school is making yes, the rules. So, so, let, so let me let me just recap, Rabbi Loy, and I want to get to that leaf neighbor question in a second. So far, what you're saying is to carry forward the analogy of Dina the Malchusadina. I saw Shaila by asked Rav Scheinberg if uh, speeding you can't if the uh, speeding limit is 55 miles 
um, on the highway? Can you go 65 if they only enforce starting at 65? So you're going up to 10 miles per hour or more. And Rav Scheinberg Paskin, as the Rav is passing right now, in that concept of a context of Dina de Mochusadina, that it's based on the enforcement. And if the law is not enforced up to 65 miles per hour, then the Dina de Mochusadina becomes 65 and not 55. So that's what the Rav is saying, is if they're not enforcing the rules, then it's not the rule anymore. It's based on what they're enforcing. So this seems to be a, a third svara, ideally MS. No sheker, no signing. But Bishas Sadchak, we do have a, now a third svara to be lenient. Um, you know, it's interesting. I got input from somebody um, on, on the issues that we're talking about, a couple people. And, and he wrote to me that his daughter is in a high school in a, in a very large Jewish community. The rules are no cell phone for the girls. I'm reading from what he wrote me. No cell phone for the girls. I think more than 50% of her ninth grade had a cell phone. By 10th grade, the number was north of 70%. Some parents rationalized their flouting of the rules in every which way. Her sister is allowed to use it once a month. So if the sister uses it, it's not only hers, etc. And the bottom line, he says, the school knows. So that was the Rav's second rationale. And also they asked the parents to sign and they never think about it again. So, so that's basically what the Rav is saying. If, if, if they know that was rationale number two. And number three, if they're not enforcing it, they know about it. They know the girls and 50%, 70% have it. Then it's no longer the, it's no longer the dean of the Mahlusadin. It's no longer a law of the school at that point. Is, is that correct? Yes, yeah. Okay. But, but, uh, I'm saying we shouldn't go and say that, you know, a person should look at Chiller, not re- listen to any rules. With Chiller, the rules are made Lashem Shemaim, that's what I said. And we should yeah. try to, if you don't have to go and, and go against the rules, you should try to keep the rules in, because it's the purpose of the school, rule is to protect my child and protect other children. And that's really why all the rules are made. And, and, so and the, the biggest problem, as the Rav said, is the Chinuch. When, when children le- see that we're living lives of Shekhar, especially the signature, and especially they know the parents are signing, and apparently when the, the kids have to sign and they know we're not adhering, even to one prat, even a detail, we have we are, we are educating Shekhar. We're sending to school, we're sending to Talmud Torah based on Shekhar. Right. So I'm saying so, that's why I'm just saying the head is Hatarim, but it's not, you know, we have to look at Chiladigid, not. The yeah, so that that leads to the to the next question of the leaf naiver. So a school requesting, and we'll focus on the signature, and they request a signature, and it could depend on the language of the signature. But if they're saying, "I am signing that I adhere to all the rules, I, I received the handbook, and I will be keeping the rules," is there that leaf naiver that they are? we'd call in in legal terms, the aiding and abetting, tripping up the parents, the students, causing them to sign. So is there a a chash of an Isra Deraiz Leif Neiver or a Deraban and a Messiah when the school asks for signatures, knowing that parents and students will not be adhering to all 100% of the rules? So there's, the terror says there's no Leif Neiver and the the purpose of the school enforcing signatures or enforcing rules is they want this should be the standard of the school. They want this, the school is, you know, not everyone keeps just like, you know, the, you're a frumayid. Just because I spoke Lashon Hara, I'm not, I'm still a frumayid. You know, it means I don't, I become ice frumayid because I speak Lashon Hara. It means this is our standard. This is what we want. And we know that, you know, not everyone could do everything, and but we want this to be the standard. If we don't start with, with the high standard, then 
everything comes lower. So the purpose of the standard is, purpose of the signature is not that if you don't keep it, like I said with the story with, with Shaksari, it means we, we want, this should be the standard. Everyone should know the school wants, these are the rules we want. We're not going to kick you out. We don't. We're not. We're not. We're going to look away. But these are the. This is the standard we want. You have a high standard. So even if you get lower, you know, at least this is what we're aiming for. And even if so, if you're not there, at least you're a little lower. But if the standard is lower, then you completely lose everything. So the purpose of the signature and the purpose of the rule is not if you don't keep it, you're out. The purpose of the signature is to say this is what we want. So you're signing. I want to do this. That means I, I'll try to keep it. So, the, so there's no difference because unless the school comes and long that if someone doesn't keep the rule, you know, I want you to know that if you you can't come to school and we'll kick you out the second we find out anyone. You know, so most schools don't do that. So then, so there's no real neighbor then, and there's no Kanevas das either because that's because the purpose of doing these. Like if I would be in the Anhala, why would I do it? I know people can. I want this should be this should be what you're aiming for. If you can't do it. You're aiming not to speak Russian, you're aiming to keep all the chumras. If you can't do it, you're still part of us. But I want at least this should be what our aim is and what our goal is. Right. So would it be preferable if there is a signature to not say I'm going to adhere to all the rules, but to simply say acknowledge receipt of the handbook or something along those lines, not making a commitment, but saying I received the rules. This is your signature that you received the handbook. But not- Which no. would be better. You don't have you don't have to make the person really say sheker. It'd be much better, sure. And certainly from a chinook perspective for the kids. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rabbi Loy, I want to thank you so much for joining us. This is obviously a very important topic. People going back to school, being in school, and uh, I think everyone has to deal with this issue if they have kids in school, the parents, the children. So your insights are very appreciated. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. And it's a schuss for me to be part of this. And if we could help children and we could help families, it's our biggest schuss. Thank you so much. Joining us now is Rabbi Chaim Eisenstein. Rabbi Eisenstein is a Ram at the Gruz Kolel in Yerushalayim. He is a Rav of a shul very appropriately called Mivak Emes, appropriate for our topic today. He is an author, a popular Magid Shir, and has thousands of Shirim available on Torah anytime and YU Torah. Rabbi Eisenstein, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me, Rabbi. It's a true pleasure. So Rabbi Eisenstein, our topic, the topic for the day, rules and regulations of schools. And the issues that we're grappling with is if you go to a school and uh, there are rules and regulations, do you have to adhere? Do your children have to adhere? And in addition, and probably a more serious question, some schools ask parents and or students to sign to confirm they will adhere to the rules and regulations. And if they aren't adhering, is there a problem signing or not? So uh, that's going to be our our topic. That's going to be the highlight of what we'll be discussing. And and I want to talk about, firstly, if you can uh, tell us if you've ever encountered this issue, how common is this issue? If you have any firsthand experience, love to hear about that. Most definitely, it is a a common issue. Uh, There are a few people that have turned to me and have described to me a situation where they were asked to sign things that they didn't feel they necessarily followed all the rules in the what's referred to here in Israel as a takanon. In some instances, they felt that some of the requests were unfair. For many families, this is an important uh, topic. 
So in, in, you mentioned that Takanon, in, in, in English, we would call that the, the handbook or the parent-student handbook. Interesting. Some schools call it the parent handbook because parents are committing to things. Some schools call it the student handbook. and Others call it the parent-student handbook because both parents and students are making commitments. So uh, along those lines, uh, walk us through the halachic background. Obviously, the Torah says, Midvar Shekhar Tirchak, and there's a love to not tell the truth, to, to lie. On the other hand, we have various Hazals that talk about times that it is permitted to lie. So apparently it's not a black and white Isser that you can never lie. So walk us through when can you lie and when can you not lie? So let, let's start, Rabari, with the Pasuk itself before we get to the halachic material. I just want to emphasize the obvious that Bali Musa already pointed this out. And that is Midvar Sheker Tirchak. The Torah, when it comes to uh, the Isurei Macholas Asuris, the Torah uses the term Loisaychlu. It doesn't say Tirchak in most instances. Yet when it comes to the Midah of MS, the Torah Tesha emphasizes Midvar Sheker Tirchak to do what one can to distance oneself from Sheker. The Smak in Mitzvah Reish Chavzayin, as you said, Paskins, that there is an Isur or a Mitzvah, if you will, Lisrachek Mei HaSheker. And as you mentioned, of course, there are times that... Uh, there are times that one is supposed to lie. The Gmar Yivamas on Dav Samachay says, Mutter Lashanos Mipnei HaShalom. There are instances of Shalom where one is supposed to lie. The Gemara in Bava Metziah on Dav Chavgimel gives us three examples of where a person is supposed to lie. That relates to Inyanim of Tznias, Puraya, Ushpiza. Ushpiza, the way Rashi learns, is in regards to uh, an individual who is very, very giving and people. Are, and we're afraid that people will take advantage of that very giving host, people who are inappropriate. So then one is allowed to lie that he's not such uh, a giving person. And then, interestingly, maybe we'll get back to this later on in regards to Masechta, that a person is allowed allowed to lie and say they know less than they actually do. Um, Tesis Alatar points out that all of these examples are Mipnei Shalom. These are all examples that are done because all these three things will be Mar Shalom. Take for the easiest example, the case of the hotel owner that people take advantage of. If they're going to take advantage of him, that's going to be Bar Bechlokis, it'll be Mar Bechineva, Gezela, the antithesis of Shalom. So the overarching theme that we're constantly looking for, is this Sheker going to promote Shalom or Chas or will it do the opposite? The one Mar that I found in the Paiskim, in Pischei Tshuva, in Chayshin Mishpat, in Yudches, Yankiv there uh, says that in a case of where a Dayan feels that by saying any Yodeya, he'll actually be able to propel the Din Torah in an appropriate direction, then he's allowed to lie. Coming back to the instances that you just raised uh, in regards to the Takanon and so on, I don't see how lying on uh, Takanon will be Mar Shalom, and I think it has dangerous pitfalls in regards in regards to chinuch in general. And I, I think ultimately, when one looks at the deeper picture, I think we are heading in a negative direction when parents are being encouraged or feel themselves compelled 
to lie, I think we're heading down a very, very dangerous road. You know, it's interesting when you, when you talked about the Gemara that said uh, the three that you're allowed to lie about, and you said the, there are three examples. So I think you I thought you were going in that direction of it's a non-exclusive list, but then you came back and said that they're all examples in the Tosos of, of being of big examples of Shalom. So right. how, how do we define Shalom? Because I can make an argument, maybe it's a little bit of a Shvach argument, that I'm going to have more Shalom in my house when I'm able to send my child to the school that they want to go to. I'm going to have more Shalom by with my wife because we're sending to the school that is closest to the house. So is there a definition of Shalom or is that more uh, very difficult to define a a concept like that? Shalom is a different, a difficult concept to to define most definitely. I do think that, you know, this is where Gedolei Torah speak about the fifth chalik of Shulchan Aruch. And uh, when the fifth chalik of Shulchan Aruch implies the idea that we have this beautiful expression that there is a fifth chalik of Shulchan Aruch uh, that Gedolei Torah embody, I think that idea implies that one needs to look at things from a broader, a broad perspective. And a person who says that, well, I'm having tension with my wife about this child as it is, and if I lie, so then my Shulchan bias is going to be improved, uh, I don't think that's looking at the issue from a broader perspective. But obviously, uh, one needs to ask one's Paisik, one needs to ask one's Rav uh, Hadracha in those particular issues. Now, acknowledging the Pasuk says, Midvar Shekhar Tirchak, you have to distance yourself. But when we're talking about a Takanun, the parent-student handbook, so for the vast majority of the rules, I would hope people are going to be adhering to them. And uh, we're not talking about Tznias. We've talked about enough on the Tznias shows, so uh, that's not going to be our topic for the day. But there are requirements, and it depends the school, and depends how strict and severe they are of of uh, not having internet at home, even if it's filtered, or that it has to have a filter, or no, no one could have even kosher smartphones, or it could be uh, not having uh, overnights at friends' houses, or it could be a requirement that the mother shave her hair, depending on uh, what what uh, what. what uh, type of school it is. So it could be a broad list of rules and regulations there. And for the vast majority of people, they're going to adhere to 90%, 95%, 97%, 99%. So what if there's one item, one item, two items in there that you are not going to be a- adhering to, and you're requested, you're required to sign that handbook that you're going to adhere to everything, but it's only 1%, 0.5% you're not going to adhere to. Is there any wiggle room on this? I want to answer that question, but I want to answer that question with a very important uh, introduction. Or Rabari, if I don't come around uh, to answering it clearly, please call me out on it. W- what are we sending our children to Yeshiva and Beis Yankel for? What, what, what's, what's the goal of, of Jewish education uh, in general? Um, the ultimate value, that we want to give over to our children as Ovde Hashem, one of the most important values is Amelis Batayra. What, what, why is Talmud Torah Kinegakulam? What is the significance of Amelis Batayra? And Nefesh Achaim writes in the beginning of Shar Dalid that Amelis Batayra is about us becoming one with the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu has created a beautiful world. We are in Shem and Eguf. That is a synthesis of those two. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is the ultimate perspective of spirituality, where our neshama uh, emanates from, the Chelek Elokam Mal, he tells us that we could bring his Ratzon into this world. And the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Emes. Chay Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Emes. 
So if we are allowing, encouraging entry, if we are encouraging a system in which uh, we portray to our children that the system is built on Sheker and not MS, we are actually undermining the essence of everything we want to do. I was heard, I heard that there was, a, I had a very close Talmud, a fantastic Talmud Chacham, who approached a Rav, and the Rav had said that it was mutter to lie because the entire system is corrupt. And so in that case, it's mutter to lie because the entire system is corrupt. When I hear, heard that, my entire being shake because that, that, because all of Klal Yisrael's foundations are being shaken with that, with that uh, type of approach. And more than that, I, I remember, uh, this is a very, very well-known story that I heard twice. Uh, I want to repeat it uh, to listeners. Uh, you might know it, but I want to repeat it because of the punchline of the story. I, my Rebbe for, in eighth grade in Tarot Tamima, Rav Lippa Geldworth, remember he described to us, I used to go to visit Rav Kersner's at South. And he came in one Sunday, very, very excited that he had visited Rav Kersner. Rav Kersner had told him the story that since then, I think Rabbi Krohn made quite popular. And that is that Rabbi Zlacharif, I'll say the story quickly, Rabbi Zlacharif went to Volozhin and he was looking for a son-in-law and he had a, a stark akasha. And when he posed it to the boys, no one was able to come up with the answer. A day or two later, Rabbi Zlacharif left. By the way, Rav Gelwit told us the name of the boy. It was Rabbi Yosef Schlupper, who I later saw a picture of Rabbi Yosef Schlupper at the Dayan in Vardik, where I believe Rabbi Zlacharif was rough. Um, and he ran out of the base medrash and he said, he said to him, Rebbe, if our guest from the Shidduch, the boys found out that it was about the Shidduch. Everything revolves around Shiduchim, right? He said, How can you leave Velazhin with Akasha without a Teretz? So the fairy tale goes, the Rabbi Zalacharev said, you're the boy I'm before. Now, Rabbi Geldworth said that when Rev Kersner said those lines, tears, he was paralyzed, tears went down his face. Years later, I was sitting in Mayri Rabbi, where Branspiegel, may he have Shlema, his shir, or Branspiegel stopped, and he told the story as well. And when he got this punchline, Viazoy Kenster again, the same words, Viazoy Kenster again, my Rebbe began to cry. What? Why did they cry? The reason why they cried is because once upon a time, Taira wasn't about a way a simply a, a social fabric was created. There was a beautiful social fabric that was created. There were beautiful social circles that were created. But the essence of Taira is our proclamation to the world that there is an MS. We are challenged from the world outside with the world of relativism. I remember I was so struck that when I came back from Eretz Yisrael 18 years ago after we made Aliyah, I was driving down the FDR going back to Yeshiva and there was a sign, it was a bright yellow Nissan and said, be a saint, be a sinner, just be. I don't know how that gets people to buy a yellow sports car, but at the end of the day, that those are the subtle messages and not so subtle messages that uh, a lot of the Western world projects. In our Amelis Petora, we look and we try, and I explained to the Talmud, and I've said this not only in yeshivas, but also in seminaries, the Amelis Petora is about our proclamation to the world that there is an absolute emiss, there is an absolute truth. And every word in Rashi, and every word in Tesis, and every word in Rambam, and every word in Rava, every word in the Pasuk, and every word in Midvar Sheker Tircha is supposed to be understood and examined and and explored. So the essence of a chinuch, a, a large part of it, is to convey this bikush uh, emes. And if we institutionally, and I believe that parents are as to blame as much as the institutions, but if we are to focus, uh, are, are not, are, is to miss, if we miss 
uh, that component. We're undermining so much of the chinuch that we want to give to our children. So let's go back to your question. In regards to your question, what about the instance of where 90%, 95% um, the child uh, is following and the parents are following? I believe that the parents and children should write in. We're honestly, it's a tremendous moment of portraying and presenting to your children that MS is an important part of their lives. And one should write in uh, where it is that uh, you're slightly different. And we could discuss what happens if the school rejects uh, uh, based, based on that. But uh, in my experience, in talking to most parents, uh, most, in most instances, when the p- parents were honest, where their children were relatively matim for the school in general, then in such a case, then uh, the honesty, the honesty uh, prevailed. But Rabbi Eisenstein, what happens in this situation where the school will not accept any changes? And there is a lot of demand to get into that school, and it's your only choice, or it's the best choice for your children. And that's the situation. It is sign in full or don't go to the school. What do you do in that situation? So obviously that case, every parent needs to discuss with their Rav and their Posek. I, I want to take a step a step back, uh, Rabari. Um, and the some of the issues that come up are predicated on, on an issue that people are trying to get into places, into institutions, which aren't necessarily matim for them, aren't necessarily appropriate. Now, what's happening over here? What's happening? Schools are asking about particular issues. Notice I haven't discussed any particular issue because I want to look at this as they refer to milamala. Look at, let's take a step back. Let's look at it from a, a broader, a broader perspective. So if what's going on is that schools are creating standards that are very high and not realistic, and schools, each school wants to be a school for Mitsuyanin. And if Mitsuyanin means that there are certain certain things that are in the home that are that the school deems inappropriate for the chinuch that they're trying to do to give, and all the schools are uh, projecting that, or many of the schools are projecting that, so then that becomes an issue for Manhigan. Um, and in other words, there are great people. This happened in Ramat Beit Shemesh. Uh, Rav Milinowitz, Zichron Levracha stepped in. Rav Kornfeld stepped in. I know they created other institutions, which, by the way, are extremely successful. Uh, in some instances, I've really seen that the kids who've come out of uh, the, these institutions that didn't have as high of demands of the parents and of the kids actually have produced better products than the schools that partly, I believe, for the reason that we just uh, discussed. Um, but that is an issue that I believe is for Manhigan. My role, HaKadosh uh, Baruch Hu has given me now, is to be a Malamed. And I'm describing what I see in the base Medrash, what I see in talking to the Avrechim, many of them Olim, who are settling in Eretz Yisrael. Um, and from the perspective of a Malamed, I think we need to, to ask ourselves uh, the, the following, another question. Not only the question that we spoke about MS, but if what's happening is that the school is projecting something that they are, and the parents are signing along and saying, yes, this is where we are. So let's say it means that there's no internet in the home. For the record, for everybody, Rabari and I are recording now over Zoom, over the internet. Okay? So, uh, in, so but they, they the school creates... Not filtered. Built, of course, filtered. <laughs> on both sides, of course. I speak about this in the base Medrash 
um, all all the time. By the way, if you want, we could spend some time talking about the challenges of how the people overreacted and underreacted um, to the internet. We could talk about that in the right time. But let's say the the children are uh, put in a school where the school is projecting that there there is no internet. The parents are signing that there is no internet. So another terrible thing emerges, and that is that we lose the Maila and the central component of Hanoch Lenar Alpidarko. What happens is, is the children become part of a system that is being dishonest, and then their Chinuch, by definition, is no longer relevant to where they really are. So I was speaking to a Beis Yaakov graduate who was dealing with Beis Yaakov girls who said that, well, the school has this takanon. We didn't get into detail of whether the, the parents were lying or not, but the school has this takanon and, and the girls are in a totally different place. So the chinuch that the girls are getting is no longer chanoch lenar alpidarko. It's no longer relevant. So we have this vicious, vicious cycle. Dayenu that we have this problem of, of lachtor, to undermine the essence of what Teira is all about, what Hamelis Batar is all about that we spoke about previously. But now what we have is a secondary problem, which in, in some ways is, is just as devastating in terms of the emotional health and spiritual development of the girls, where the teachers aren't speaking to the, the girls and the boys, the supplies both on both sides to where they where they really are. They're they're talking about uh, there. There's a chinuch that's not honest. Now, by the way, it's no longer only the school's fault because now the parents, ironically, the parents become facilitators of this problem. When the parents continue to to lie about where their children are, where and again where they are, we're not talking about any averos now. We're talking about the world that they're encountering, the world that they're facing. So then Hanoch Lenar Alpidark was lost. Now, I believe, Rabari, I'm going to go out on a limb, and maybe we need to uh, have a discussion about this another time, but I believe that this problem is deeply entrenched, particularly in our generation. And it's a unique problem that I would say is only 30, 40 years old. I was uh, in Chutz Aretz and I was leafing through a uh, Rabbi Dr. A.J. Tversky's book on Pirkei Avos, and I saw something that jumped out at me. Uh, he described that, uh, said, in my generation, my father Shlita is also of that same generation, Rabbi, uh, from Beis Medrash Torah in the 1950s, and then in Nair Yisrael. Rabbi Tversky said, when you ask somebody where, where he learns, he would say, I learn, I learn by Rabbi Aaron Kotler. I learn by Rabbi Soloveitchik. I learn by Rabbi Chaim Shmulevitz. I learn by Rabbi Shach. He said, nowadays, we ask people where they learn. They say, I learn in Mir. I learn in Er Yisrael. I learn in Yitzchak Al-Hanan. And he decried the phenomenon that the Rebbe Talmud relationship has been de-emphasized. And what has been emphasized in the place is institutional movements. And those institutional movements have are beautiful, beautiful things. And it's an amazing thing when you walk into these large yeshivas with Leah and her hundreds and thousands of people learning together. When I walk down the street in Ramat Beit Shemesh and I see literally Leah and her rivers of blue, light blue and dark blue of girl, girls walking into to, to Beis Yaakov's. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But there, we need to balance it and we need to be able to complement it that the Messiah, Mirebi Talmud, 
which by definition encourages Chanoch Lenar Alpidarka. And when one builds institutions without focusing on a Rebbe Talmud relationship, a Morat Talmudar relationship, then ultimately the Chanoch Lenar Alpidarka begins to slowly uh, fall away. And that leads us to a place where there is broader concerns that are being projected by the schools as opposed to a concern that is particular to those uh, the children's needs. Now, right, of course, because it becomes more like a factory and you have rules, regulations, and you adhere to that institution as opposed to individualized. Right, right, right. That, that, that makes sense. Now, what, what you're talking about, this mismatch between where the family is, where the students are, and where the institution is and the rules and regulations of the institution, that would apply. My initial question was if, if you're signing and if you're signing that you're adhere to the requirements. But it seems that that mismatch and, and a number of the issues that you're talking about will apply regardless of signing or not. Is that correct? Would there be a problem, halachic problem, going to an institution that has rules and regulations that you do not, do not adhere to? You know, there's, uh, there's an expression in Yiddish. Anar is erger for a Russia. A fool is worse than a Russia. It's foolish for parents to send their children to institutions that are not appropriate for for their children. Um, unfortunately, that is that is a real, real, real problem. Uh, there was a very candid moment when we were talking to my son's twelfth grade Rebbe, and we walked in, and he said, "I'm very, very frustrated now." He said, "The." the couple that cut in front of you that came in beforehand wants their son to go to one of these elite yeshivas. Um, I used to come to the base medrash every day, every, excuse me, every week to learn with my son. This boy was a very sweet boy, but he was, it wasn't appropriate for the elite, elite yeshivas. He wouldn't grow there. Um, and he's this, the 12th grade Rebbe who helped facilitate getting the boys into yeshiva gadolas was so frustrated about uh, the amount of pressure that, uh, parents were putting on putting getting their children into yeshivas that were not appropriate for them were not appropriate for them and and what i saw from that 12th grade class is many of the boys that went to yeshivas that were much more appropriate for them which which are inappropriately referred to here in Eretz Yisrael as b yeshivas or c yeshivas those are actually the a yeshivas many of those yeshivas are the ones that are really really mechanic don't look for a yeshiva mitsuyanin Look for yeshiva that's going to really be mechanich your son, and uh, that that's that's something that I think has become part of the system and is 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 something that needs to 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 be addressed. Very good. Well, uh, Rabbi Eisenstein, I I think we've gotten a clear answer from you. Uh, just to recap and tell me if if you uh, agree or disagree. Um, signature on something that you're not going to adhere to would be unacceptable. And when it comes to a going to a school, make sure it's the best match for you. But truth be told, it could be that you're going to go to any school, you're not going to match 100%. So it, it comes down to matching 90% here and 80% here, you may have to go to the school that you match 90%, even though you're not going to adhere to all those rules and regulations. Correct. Correct. Uh, interestingly, by the way, the Tosos on on that Sugiyam Bava Metziah points out that you're normally not allowed to lie about your learning. Uh, and when someone answers, you should immediately answer. So how is it that if someone asks you if you know this Masefta, that you're allowed to lie Mipnei HaShalom? Tosa says that's because the individual is testing you. And when you're being tested, it isn't, it seems from Tosa's in the direction of Shalom.
And I think this very much brings out uh, this point that we said about, about the chinuch. Uh, and that is, in regards, in regards to chinuch, chinuch requires to be alpidarko. And if the children are being tested in a uniform way, then ultimately it isn't necessarily productive for every child's chinuch. Uh, so that's something that needs to be uh, thought about. Rabbi Eisenstein, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh... Definitely a lot to consider, especially those who have kids in school, because we covered a lot more than the specific issue of signing, not signing and going to school. But uh, the importance of having a Rebbe and importance of uh, not being too institutionalized in our institutions. Right. Thank you for having me, Rabbi. Thank you so much. Joining us now is Rabbi Zev Lef. Rav Lef is one of the great veteran educators of Kalal Yishol. He's been involved in Chinuch for decades and decades. He's a Rosh Hashiva of the Yeshiva in, in uh, Matisyahu. who he is sought after for his advice in Chinuch. He's a posek, a published author, numerous books, popular speaker in Rosh Hashiva. Rav Lef, thank you so much for joining us. Okay, it's my pleasure. So, Revlev, uh, it's always a pleasure to have you. Today, we're going to be talking about rules and regulations of schools. And in certain places, schools simply have a handbook and they have rules and regulations. In other places, they require parents and or students to sign the handbook, to sign a confirmation that they'll adhere to the requirements, the rules and the regulations, stipulations and the like. And I wanted to get a take on uh, from you what your experience is in this area. And in particular, if that's the school that you feel you need to go to, but there are things that you know you will not adhere to. Are there heterim or they're not heterim to sign that confirmation that you will be adhering to all those requirements, even though, strictly speaking, you will not be adhering to all of them? Okay, I, I, I think the following. Let me give you an extreme example that a woman called me. It's a real, real example. A woman wanted to enroll her daughter in a certain girl's school. And part of the takanon was she had a sign that her daughter would never wear makeup even on the day of her wedding. So um, so I, I said, it's, it's absurd. I mean, a kala is not allowed to get made up on the day of her wedding. I said, this, this connected halacha. First of all, it said that there was special takana that uh, people went around selling makeup and uh, and jewelry and 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 uh, perfumes, so women could adorn themselves. Again, maybe not publicly, maybe not a schoolgirl, but definitely a, a woman on her on her wedding day shouldn't be able to get dressed up right and be a kala noa to her husband, right? To uh, so I said to them, look. Um, since that is something that's totally connected hadin, so you can sign it. Because it's obvious that um, nobody would be adhere to that because it's against halacha. So what's it called? So you can sign it in the school. And then when it comes time to, do, to doing it, you'll follow what the halacha is, not what the school says. So that's an ex- extreme. Let's take a, a step step back to after that. So that's an example of something that's connected the dean so that, that you can sign. Right, so let me, let me tell you the following. Let's say what's a school that says if you have internet connection, then uh, you can't have your child in the school. And um, the parent says like this, right? Anything that affects my child, right? For all practical purposes, I have no internet connection. And I can sign that. However, if for some reason I need it in a way that it doesn't affect my child, and I have a psak from my personal rug that for me, this is okay. 
So that is not going against what the Takanon said. Takanon was, you won't have it, I don't have it, right? This is an exception to the rule, like every rule has exceptions, right? Like everything in halacha has minhagim or whatever. And this exception is alpi das Torah. I'm not just deciding on my own when I'll have it and when not. That's a lie. I'm honestly saying that in principle, I will not have and do not have internet connection. And if I have a Das Torah that says that for my sake, I need it, right? And it's okay for me. That has nothing to do with the child. Vis-a-vis the child, I don't have an internet connection, right? That this child has any kind of connection to. And the Das Torah that I ask knows what I signed the Takanon and says, this is an exception, then fine. Then that's, that's, that's fine to do. So two, so two rationales so far. Something that's connected the dean, for example, the cosmetics, that would be one example that you could sign. And number two is if something that's unrelated to the child, then as a corollary to that, you have a head there. Right. And, and ba- right. And basically you're 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 honest. If you if there wouldn't be a Yochim and a Klaal Hetter, you basically are committed not to have this. That's that's the, the rule. If if there's an exception to the rule, you'll follow your Das Torah, who is aware of the fact that you signed that. And in this situation, he holds that that's, that's a re- legitimate Yosem in a cloud. So those would be the two carve-outs, the signing, but, but those would be the two two areas that uh, you can sign, even though you're not adhering strictly to the text of the... Of the adhering according to a Das Torah that tells you that you understood that you signed it, right? You signed it in good faith. On the other hand, there are exceptions to every rule. How long are exceptions? Now, let, let's flip the question and say that uh, look, looking from the school's vantage point, uh, the school has all these requirements, and some schools are going to have more, some schools are going to have less, and they know that not everyone's going to be adhering. To have no internet nowadays, uh, some, some cities, I understand, they still use the same form that you have to sign and the same handbook that they had from 10, 20 years ago, and things have changed. And uh, they're requiring to say, well, I don't have internet, and I have X, and I have Y, and I have Z, and the children aren't going to go to pizza ever, and well, whatever it may be, the requirements. And th- the school knows, I don't know if it's one parent or half the parents or all the parents and the families are to violate it. Is there an issue of leaf naiver to require a signature if a signature is required? Um, I think everybody understands that the school has to um, has to aspire towards the ideal, the ideal for what's good for the school, what's ideal, what's good for they think for the children. So where they're having you sign is what the ideal is. The school, on the other hand, understands that not everybody can be with that ideal. Sometimes if you're not up to that ideal um, in a big way, so you don't belong in that school, then you find a different school, right? But if it's a, a Yotze Min Haklal, basically you're the kind of person that when you sign that, you did it in good faith. But like we said, there are exceptions to the rule, right? And and the exception is not harming neither the um, the level of the school and other children or the name of the school, which is also important, and not harming your child, right? So then there are exceptions to the, to the rule. But a parent who signs something not in good faith and knows that their child is not going to fit into the standards of that school and therefore be a negative influence has no business sending to a school like that. 
Right. And so what are the effects on a child in that circumstance where they know that they're going to a school and the school has requirements and they're effectively living a double life? Maybe not as extreme, but uh, as, as that phrase means. But what's the effect on the chinuch of such a child? Again, if the child knows that the parents are fooling the school, and he's fooling his school, and that's what he thinks, that is no chinuch in that, and therefore he should go to a different school, for sure. But the child understands that, like we said, my parents did this in good faith, and 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 we accept the fact that this is the the ideal. But for various reasons, we have to be an exception to the rule in certain ways, even though basically we're keeping the rule. But there are exceptions, and we have a psaq that we can be an exception. Then the child understands that yes, what the school is demanding is the ideal. The school understands and that everybody can keep that ideal. And we have a psaac that in our situation, this is what uh, what we need. When uh, you ask that psaac, is the psaac simply, I need internet for the home, can I have a header? Or do you have to say, I, I, I need internet for the home for, for work and the kids aren't using it? And as an additional issue, I have a topic that I have to deal with. Right. Right. I think you have, to, you have to say the second part as well. I think the POSIC has to know that my child goes to a school that does not look favorably on people who have internet. But under these circumstances, I think that the school is perfect for my child. I think my child is a good influence in the school too. And I think that this aspect is totally Yotzim and a cloud that will have no effect on the school or on my child. Right. And it's totally uh, Yotzim and a cloud then the post can take that in consideration. Rev. Lev, thank you so much. Really appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. Joining us now is Rabbi Binyamin Kessler. Rabbi Kessler is the Menahel of the Yeshiva Katan of Queens. As well, he is the Rav of Kilas Torres Emes and a friend of approximately 45 years. Rabbi Kessler, thank you so much for joining us. It's nice to be with you, Ari. So Rabbi Kessler, this is a Parsha that you breathe and live with all the time. We're talking about school rules, school handbooks. And I'd like to start out with the understanding when it comes to the school handbook, there are rules and requirements and laws and regulations and ordinances in there. And the question is, should they reflect the realities of the student body? Or should we speak to the like the lowest common denominator? Or should it be something that shoots for the sky and, and, and really dictates the standards and hope of the school's hanhala? So the yeshiva, any yeshiva, has to have shifas, has to have aspirations. The goal is to mold the Talmud, a product mitzvahem, who's not now. Now he might be five, ten, thirteen, but you're looking at this at this young boy. Mitzvahem is to be a father. He'll be an askan and klaisa. Might be a shifa. Might be a rav. Might be a doctor or lawyer. That, that's where your that's where your goal is. But you want to ingrain in him the foundations, the asidos, to have those shifas, those aspirations to be to be a complete yid, to be a complete Jew. So the yeshiva has to strive for greatness in their rules and regulations. However, you have to be realistic with the community you're dealing with. Obviously, the goal of the yeshiva is to take everyone up to the next level. That's the goal. You should never settle for mediocrity. Chas v'shom. You know, yeshiva itself is uh, is the teva in the middle of the mabul. The world around us is the mabul. Yeshiva is a safe place, and it's got to have those high standards. Whenever I've been shol eitza from our, from, our, from our das Torah, the yeshiva, it's always that idea. You have to have those higher aspirations, higher yeshivas, and you got to bring everybody up to that. You know, as a parent, though, you have to be reflective yourself. You know, many communities are blessed with different yeshivas, and you have to find the yeshiva that most aligns with what you're looking for, what your values are, you know, what your family is able to do. I remember reading a story about Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. He went to visit a, 
a cheder, one of his, his uh, sons, Chadarim, I forget which one exactly it was. And uh, he saw that uh, he was interviewed the kids and he really was very impressed by the yeshiva. And then he went to the uh, kindergarten and he saw that the mezuzahs were not in the top third of the door. They were lowered. And the... Uh, Ganenet. I don't know how they say that in English. The, uh, the, teacher, the, teacher. the teacher, the teacher of the of the of the nursery teacher. That's what they call it. the ter- nursery teacher. There was explaining that we want to lower down the mezuzah in order for the kids to be able to reach it, so they can uh, kiss the mezuzah. And Rabbi Yaakov Kanievsky, he says that's not the right way to do it. What you have to do is you have to put a chair by the door because we have to enable to elevate the children and not lower the mitzvahs down. To the children's level. So I guess that's exactly what you're saying there is we want to raise them up and we want to give them aspirations and hopes and not lower the standards to where they are at a given time. Correct. Okay. So have you found that it's uh, better to have more detail, more detail, more specificity? Is that helpful or to keep it more on a general and high level? So I'll tell you, it's constantly evolving. You know, in the, in the 20, 20 plus years I've involved in Chinuch, so obviously every few years there's new challenges. So it definitely gets revised. Let's say my, my school guidelines always get revised. Every, every summer I go through them because there are new, new issues that come up that we have to deal with. Um, but it definitely should be reviewed on a regular basis to make sure that you know, it covers what has to be covered. And definitely, I think the more specific, the less misunderstandings there are, I find. If we're, if we're too ambiguous, it leads to misunderstanding, and then people get upset. It has to be very clearly stated. These are the That's values right. of our yeshiva. These are the goals of our yeshiva. And this is what we expect everyone to, to be with. So, Rabbi Kessler, would you say that more detail helps when uh, you're writing up the rules and regulations, or is it better to keep it more of a higher level on a conceptual uh, basis? So I think you need both. You need to have the overlashka for the yeshiva included, but the more details, the better, because then there's less misunderstanding. I find that we're, when we're ambiguous, it leads to misunderstanding. People definitely, everyone, listen, every, every, everyone reads something and understands something based on their personal experience. So I think it's imp- important to be clear and as, as detailed, specific as possible. I will just tell you that every community faces different challenges. Um, I think most people today, most yeshivas, they probably do have somewhat of a struggle, at least in the Litvisha community. With the internet, that, that's the issue, because many people, many, many parents need that for Parnassa, which is understood. But like I can tell you, I always tell parents, your children should not be on the internet. We don't want them on the internet. There's no reason for them to be on the internet. I'll just tell you on the flip side, many times, like we will send a text to parents if a bus is running late. Like I tell parents, I can't call 50 parents and tell them the bus is running late. I can send one text to everyone's cell phone, and this way everyone can breathe easier knowing the bus is running late and brush everyone's fine. But again, you know, out of town, I know different different struggles might be in terms of Shmir Shabbos, in terms of making sure, you know, there's a certain level of Shabbos observance in the classroom. I remember growing up, you know, in, in, in my school, in my day school, that uh, not the whole class was Shomer Shabbos. So everybody has their struggles, but I think the yeshiva has to, like I said, set high goals and be specific in your guidelines. And less ambiguity means, you know, hopefully clear understanding by everybody. So if you know that there's a violation... Uh, it could be if, if the internet is, is the sensitive issue in the school that uh, you find out that one kid is speaking with the class about what he saw on the internet and you find out about that. How do you handle that? Do you give a call? Do you set up a meeting with the parents? What's the so process? For, for, first, I'll tell you like this. Usually I, 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 I tell my staff, I don't need them necessarily to get involved with it unless it's like on a classroom level. But if it's something specific, they should let me know and I will definitely make a phone call to parents and have a discussion. You know, children come in many times saying things that aren't necessarily 100% accurate. Sometimes they want to sound like they're, you know, 
I guess, cooler. They know things more and they don't really know, you know, what they're saying. Um, but I will definitely make a phone call. If it's something reoccurring, I'll definitely make a phone call about that and have a discussion with the parents. And, you know, many times parents aren't aware. They just aren't aware sometimes. Could go to a friend's house, could go, you know, they aren't aware. So you want to bring that awareness there. I will tell you, though, that most parents, you know, are concerned. It's just a very difficult time we live in because technology evolves so fast. When you think you understand it, there's something new out there that, you know, catches you by surprise. I've had parents tell me, don't worry about my castle. We got everything locked up and, and they really believe they do. But unfortunately, there's always ways around things. So you got to be extra, extra careful. Right. So do you ever have parents come to you to discuss the rules? They got the student rules and they have a concern about one and they want to adhere, but certain things may not exactly work with their lifestyles. And they'll come and say, Rabbi Kessler, we want to be open with you and discuss XYZ issues. So any yeshiva should be looking, I would think, to help people grow, help the families grow. So if a parent comes to me with this yeshiva to grow, maybe they're not there yet, but this is what they aspire to be like, then there's what to work with. But if somebody's coming and the Rashid does not like the school hashkafa, then I, I don't know that it's really the best shit for the family. In other words, it's not it's not good to send your child to a to yeshiva where you have different values in the yeshiva. There's a well-known Rosh Hashiva here in New York with Yaakov Bender Shlita in the Yeshiva Darche Torah. It's also on the uh, Rosh Hashiva Council of Torah Masora. So I heard him one time say, you know, as a parent, if you disagree with the Yeshiva every now and then, that's normal. But if you find yourself constantly disagreeing with the Yeshiva, then you're probably in the wrong Yeshiva. So again, it's not good for Chinuch just to not be on the same page as the Yeshiva. It's not a good thing for anybody. It's not going to, a Chinuch, a Chinuch of a child is a partnership between the Yeshiva and the parents and the families. And you got to be working together. Otherwise, it's just, it won't work. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about the uh, sensitive issue of signatures on the handbooks. Your, your, your policy when it comes to signatures, I understand, is to not have the parents sign. So what, what led you to make that decision? And, and do you find that maybe you're at a disadvantage to parents take it less seriously if they haven't signed or committed to that uh, handbook? I don't know that parents will take it less seriously if they haven't signed and committed to the, to the handbook. I know that signing makes them take it more seriously. I think there has to be a certain amount of trust between the yeshiva and the families that go to the yeshiva and a certain, you know, agreement as to what we're aspiring for, what we're trying to accomplish in Chinuch. Chinuch, like I said, is a partnership between the families, the parents, and the yeshiva, between the staff of the yeshiva, the rebbeim, and the teachers, Zanhala. And if, otherwise, it, it just won't work. So we have to be working together. So a certain amount of trust we have. You know, are, are there issues that come up? Of course, there's going to be issues that come up. I'm dealing with 250 families, Kanahar. So, of course, there's going to be issues. But we work together, we work it through, and we, you know, we come to an understanding. But there's a, cer- there's a certain, you know, guidelines that, that have to be adhered to. So, I'll give, just give you an example. In my handbook, leaving the premises of the yeshiva, which we have a gated area, the yeshiva is fully gated in, is, is the har valyavur. You do that, then, 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 you're, then it's not going to work. Why? It's very, very dangerous. It's just very dangerous, and it can't guarantee somebody's safety. Like I tell parents, when your child walks through this door, then we are responsible for the safety of your child. I dive into a Kodesh Baruch for a lot of siyata deshmaya, but that, that's our responsibility. If your child's going to leave the premises, though, then it just, that's not going to work. You know, but um, in terms of signing, I don't know that signing makes it more commit, more of a commitment for people. I just find that we're working together in, on a trust basis to try and make things work. There's definitely an aspect of Hinoch that goes in for the families, too, that we have to, you know, explain to them the dangers and difficulties. Giving them one example with the Internet. I know we, we did many years ago. We brought in somebody to speak to the parents when it first became an issue about the dangers involved. And slowly it's evolved. You know, we, we try and, you know, stick to that message. That's just not forget about the ruchnius danger, which is an important part. There's a physical danger for a child to be on the Internet, which many parents are not aware of. So 
Right. So, so you've never had seen a downside by not having a signature parent coming and saying, well, I didn't see it. So I didn't know. I never signed. So I didn't know if there's a policy, there's a policy and they have to adhere regardless of a signature. Right. I, I don't think it's a lack of knowledge many times. I, I think that it's more so it might be overlooked. I'll just give you one another example what we deal with. There's a whole debate here in here in the tri-state area about winter vacation. So amongst the day schools, you'll have, you know, the, the BJE, the Bureau of Jewish Education, has like a 10-day winter vacation. Uh, yeshivas more so that aren't part of it. They, they don't, you know, they might not have any winter vacation. They might do two or three days. But the problem becomes sometimes when the girls' schools are off longer than the boys' schools and the family wants to take a family vacation, that becomes an issue. So, you know, I, I spoke with the parents and I asked parents not to take extra vacation because it really does, it really is detrimental to the yeshiva. It's detrimental, number one, to the classes that have to function. So if you have a class of 25 boys and 10 of them aren't there, it, it's, it's very difficult for the class to function, especially when they learn new material and, you know, go on, go further. You know, to sign a letter, I never asked anybody to sign a letter. I don't think anybody's not aware of the policy. I just think sometimes it's difficult. You have to make a decision. Your girls are off and somebody's got to watch them. And it's the only time the parents, this all comes into the, into the factor. Very good. Well, Rabbi Kessler, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate all of your insights, and it's nice to speak to you after so many years. Good to speak to you, Ari. Hatzlacha with all your Avodos HaKadosh. Amen. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you.